This is the Book Legion Podcast, where we review thought-provoking books to give our Legionnaires the knowledge they need to dominate the next level of their life. Hey everybody, thanks so much for joining me on the Book Legion this week. This is your host, Tizer Evans. This week, I'm going to be covering Ryan Holiday's new book, Discipline is Destiny. So who is Ryan Holiday? Ryan Holiday is someone who is a prolific writer. He's written several New York best time selling books, including The Obstacle is the Way. He's the podcast host of The Daily Stoic. Check that out. I listen to it pretty frequently. He's also the owner of The Painted Porch Bookshop. So Ryan is also what we would call a modern day Stoic. So let's just cover what Stoicism is because it kind of sets up what the book is all about, right? So Stoicism is a school philosophy that hails from ancient Greek and Roman philosophy that started to develop in the third century BCE. Really what it's about, it's about maximizing your positive emotions, reducing your negative emotions, and it helps individuals hone the virtues of their character. So what this book is, it it really, it covers three different parts. It covers the body, the inner domain, and the soul. And every, the way the book is broke down is that every few pages, He's onto a different types of really virtue, uh, whether it's your body, your inner domain, right, or talking about your soul. So it's kind of like that mind, body, spirit type uh, conception, but all through stoicism. So, you know, I'll just read you off some of the chapters. You know, so this is part one, the exterior, you know, ruling over the body, attacking the dawn, the stringest life is the best life. Quit being a slave, avoid, clean up your desk. So those are just a couple of the different types of uh, chapters. You can see there's probably about, there are little micro chapters inside of the book, all anywhere from like two to five pages. So what I love about this type of book is you can get in and you can read something really powerful to set you up for a great day or a really great message, a positive message, or kind of analyze how you're living your life in about five minutes. So it's kind of meant to just something to pick up, read, put away, sit on it. At least that's what I've been doing. I usually read two to three of those little passages, about 10 to 15 pages a day, some great takeaways. It's a book I'm going to come back to many, many times. So what I'm going to cover today is my favorite topic from each one of the three sections. So just like I do my three favorite takeaways, since there's three parts of the book, I just took a takeaway from every different section, the body, the mind, and the spirit. So let's jump into it. So the first section I'm going to cover in the body section is on page 71, which is seek discomfort. And a lot of it's here about the only way that you can have growth. And I've talked about it before through other books is by getting yourself uncomfortable, right? If you're comfortable, then you become lethargic. You become stagnant. Stagnant is really uh, you're in a reduction state. You're not moving forward. So I look at it. If you're stagnant, you're really going backwards, right? Life is about continual progression of growth. And usually the way you do that is through discomfort. We get our biggest gains by going through the largest amounts of discomfort. When I had to move from California to the East Coast and started my career over basically at 33, it was extremely painful for me and my family. But within 18 months, then I had was making three times the amount of money that I have in California. So, you know, I had to embrace that discomfort in order to get right the positive pleasure seeking gains. But a lot of people don't want to put them into that type of situation to begin with. So what he talks about is this great story uh, talking about how Seneca, who was a really wealthy man and was really well invested across the Roman Empire, that he would purposely seek out discomfort for three or four days at a time throughout the year just to remind himself of what it was like. So he didn't have to do this. And when he sought out discomfort, 
he would like wear clothes that were uncomfortable. He only drank uh, water, would only have bread, and he made sure it was like grimy, hard bread. Like he wanted to feel, he wanted to suffer. He wanted to be uh, uncomfortable. And I think a part of this is because it spurs you to have a lot more gratitude towards what you do have um, by putting yourselves in areas of discomfort, right? It's kind of like when you get sick, all you wish for is that you are healthy. So what he talks about though, and one of the reasons that he did this was when Nero uh, well, he did, not the reason he did this, but what happened was when Nero, who was an emperor that went insane, went crazy, and was super paranoid, he actually tried, he was wanting to kill Seneca because he was so wealthy and powerful, but he, he said it was impossible to do because Seneca was so strict with what he ate. He said, how can you poison a man that drinks water and eats berries, right? And, and then Seneca actually wanted to just escape and flee because he didn't want to be murdered. And he knew that, you know, he was coming after him. So he just said, what he did is he made a deal and he said, I will give you all of my wealth. And Nero was like, no, there's no way that you would just give up all of your wealth. But he, the way he had conditioned his mind was he understood what it was like to live with nothing, to put himself in discomfort. And so he wasn't scared of losing anything. So there was no way that you can control him. You, you had no power over him. And so I think, you know, that is one of the main parts of the chapter two, uh, the short chapter. I'll read you something that I highlighted. Success breeds softness. It also breeds fear. We become addicted to our creature of comforts and we become afraid of losing them. Seneca was in no way Cato day to day, but he knew from practice that he could be if he had to. So what this meant was that he... Cato was someone who was extreme and lived his whole life in discomfort. But Seneca, there was nothing you could do to have any type of power over him because he enjoyed and oftentimes would seek out discomfort. And so uh, a part of this is this when you're seeking out discomfort, discomfort, it toughens us up and allows us to go into new opportunities. Like I talked to you guys about me personally, when I went through that period of discomfort, on the other side of discomfort was my greatest progression of growth, my greatest opportunity to elevate my family and myself to new heights of income where then we could have better pleasurable experiences. Now, two years later, I put myself in another discomfort position and moved to Texas where I had to start over and take over a failing uh, sales team in a territory that hadn't done well in a decade, right? So that was just another opportunity where I saw it as growth. Sure, scary, but I walked into my fears and then elevated the playing field for me to become a better leader, to have to work on my skill set, to become more valuable to those around me. So anyway, so I just really loved this. It was a really powerful, it was only, you know, page 71 through 74, seek discomfort. The next section is in the inner domain. It's going to be on one page, uh, uh, 135, excuse me, do the hard things first. And this is something I truly believe, especially being in sales. You know, I often, I read the book, The One Thing uh, by Gary Keller, and it, you know, talks about how to prioritize your day. And this is something I've always done, especially if you're someone like me, have to make cold calls that are very uncomfortable. That's a lot of discomfort you go through every single day, right? So while you have the willpower, you want to knock it out first. So here's a great quote, though, another kind of extra point that hones in. This is actually a quote from Seneca as well. The one thing all fools have in common, Seneca wrote, is that they're always getting ready to live. Then it kind of goes down a couple sentences. They never get to it. We never do. And what he means is that people are always trying to get themselves ready to get things in place. You know, they, they want to make sure that all their I's are dotted and T's are crossed before they jump into the deep end, before they tackle that hard thing. 
And this kind of goes away the stoic principles where you should embrace the hard things, right? Because they, they talk about right here. Let me read you. This is crazy. To procrastinate is to be entitled. It is to be arrogant. It assumes that there would be a later. Anything you can do another day can be done now. And so I think that that just says, you know, it, it's really this discipline self. Obviously, self-discipline is, is the core principle of the book. And so they're saying that like, there's never going to be a great thing to a great time to do hard things, and we try to procrastinate doing hard things because it makes us feel uncomfortable, like we were just talking about, right? So seeking discomfort, doing the hard things first, shows that you own character, and you just need to do the work every day, because there's never going to be a perfect time to do something that's hard, and for you to think that you can do that in a year or two years or five years is making the assumption that you're going to be walking on this planet in a year, two years, five years. So don't make the assumption that's being arrogant. Do the hard things today when you know that you can. And I've always thought that it's just like getting up and working out, right? Like sure, you could hit the snooze button, you can not go do your workout, and Jocko talks a lot about this. Is it like, just get there. Like just one more day, right? Just get to do the workout today. Just don't skip today. Maybe you tell yourself, I'm going to skip tomorrow, but get there and do the workout today. And every time that you do the thing that you're trying to avoid, when you do the hard things, especially when you do them first, it sets the tone of the precedent for the rest of your day. And then it just becomes habit. That's just how you live your life. And this is where you see all of your friends, family, colleagues that avoid doing the hard things, you just start to surpass them because you tackle them first, you do them every day, you do them consistently, you do them with character, you do them with pride, but the most importantly, you're doing them and that's how you get to new heights, new levels of success where people are like, well, how did you do that? And you're like, man, I just showed up every day and I did the fucking work. All right, and the last section I'm gonna cover is the soul and it's on page 253 carry the load for others what i really love about this to me is how to be a great leader i've been in several leadership positions i've also worked for several leaders most uh have been atrocious but i've worked for some really great leaders who did follow these types of principles i'm going to read you a paragraph from the first page on 253 a leader must be selfless they must sacrifice they must face the same deprivations as everyone else in the organization if you can do this Mattis learned from the writings of General Viscom Slim, then they will follow you to the ends of the world. And so this gives an example in the beginning of the book about how this guy was going through a, a gate on a military base, and he was used to seeing the same guard always at the gate. And on that day, he happened to see General Mattis at the gate. And he was like, uh, where's the other dude? Why, why are you, a general, working the gate? And he said, well, he had a family emergency. My thought it ought to be better that he was home with his family than sitting here watching the gate when I easily could do that. And so it just struck the man as like, wow, he's just someone who's been in the military 20 years, super prestigious, but he's not too good to carry the load for somebody else that's on his team to make sure he can be home with his family so he can watch the, so he wouldn't watch the gate. So let me read you a couple other quotes. Success does not free you from control. As we have said, it does not free you from hard work or consequences either. Now you will have to help others carry the loads too, and you will do this gladly because you, when you accept the rewards, you also accept the responsibility. And so this is talking about just because you may have made it in your career, you might be a CEO, you might be wealthy, had a great track of business, maybe you're a great athlete, great. Well, now it's your turn to give it back. And this talks about um, another Roman Empire that had taken the throne and told his wife, 
We can no longer live how we used to live. We have to be more generous. We have to level up our character now that more eyes are upon us. Now that we can influence and help more people, we have to do that by becoming having more virtue in our character and by being more generous to people. A leader shows up first and leaves last. And, you know, this is something that I've always tried to leave by when I was a leader. You know, the, the more you've done, the higher standards you must hold yourself to. And I truly do believe that, right? Because you got put in a leadership position to help inspire others. And I've always uh, loved to quote, and I've had this happen, not to me, but I've done this, right? People don't leave bad companies, people leave bad bosses, right? And there's a difference between being a boss that does their job and a leader that inspires and helps others carry the load. You know, I have the same, lead from the front. When I first took over the team, when I moved to Texas, I was telling you guys about last chapter, uh, said it was a failing sales team. And so I could have easily come in and cleaned house and fired everybody, or I could have easily come in and just started drilling in on people. But what I did is I jumped in the trenches with them. I started making phone calls and I finished that year third in sales on our team. Like I just got in and I started selling with them. Now the second year they saw that I could sell. So it had trust in me that I was capable of doing their job at a high level. And I was willing to get in the trenches with my team to do the job. By doing that, they had complete faith and trust in me as a leader. And we took that office year over year from last to first by percent to goal in the company. We finished in 2020, in the year of COVID, 174% to goal. And I think it was that because I set the tone as a leader. I'm not just saying that I'm some great leader. Trust me, I have plenty of fallacies. But it was just an example for me saying that, hey, I'm no better than you. In fact, we are just the same. I'm just an advocate for you to senior management and senior leadership and to the executives, right? We're all in this together. And so that's really how I saw myself. I was always an extension of my team to help get what I needed from leadership and pass that down to my team and hear what my team was going through on the front lines, be on the front lines with them, and then trying to promote change where we need to change, right? And helping my team, if someone had to be out sick or someone was pregnant and they had to be out for a maternity, right? Me jumping in, taking over their deals, helping them with their phone calls, being on conference calls, going to all the meetings. So, you know, that is a lost art in leadership today. It's mostly uh, direction, 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 and people get lost, they don't get the results. So then uh, what do we do? Then we fire the people that we're not leading, blaming them as opposed to pointing the finger, looking in the mirror and realizing it's the leadership's fault. If you don't hit goal, it's on you if you're a leader. So um, I truly love this book. It's one of the best books I've read in a long time. I would say top five book for me in 2022. I'll post a link in the bio for you guys to buy it. I wanna say it's around 15, 16 bucks. It's a nice book and see it's thick those watching this on YouTube, a little hardback, um, but it's kind of like a little journal, you know, uh, I don't know what size this is, I'm not good at measurements, but it's not a huge book. Uh, it's about 312 pages, but you can get through it easily in a week um, if you wanted to knock it out, or you can take it day by day and read all the different sections and just kind of marinate on that one section for the day, which I think is really cool too. So um, if you guys haven't done so, please subscribe to the podcast and please share with three or four like-minded uh, book lovers. That's how the podcast continues to grow. I think now um, the Book Legion is an over 60 different countries, a huge fall in the United States. So we really appreciate that. And please uh, send us an email at thebooklegion at gmail.com on books that you guys have just recently read that you love. 
Uh, we'd love to review them and get them out to the world because now we're worldwide, baby. So we want to keep promoting it. And if you guys haven't done so, uh, listen to my other podcast, Grind, Sell, Elevate. It's where I interview business professionals from all over the world who are the best at what they do. So make sure to check that out if you like that interview style format. They're typically about 30 to 45 minutes long. So anyway, thank you guys so much for tuning into the Book Legion again this week, and I'll catch you next week.